Good morning. Joining me now, our great friend, Mr. Al Bat. Hey, Al, how's it going today? It's a uh, it's another beautiful day in the neighborhood. So really, in, uh, enjoying this nice weather. That's a good thing, isn't it? About when it gets down to twenty below or whatever <laughs> it is, man, it gets up to twenty above, and we're just uh, we're frolicking. It's good weather, yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, it's, we're... it's great. Oh man, I can I can I can almost hear barn swallows. It's just uh, it's so <laughs> nice out there. So I guess everybody get out there and enjoy it. As they say, while well, you can. I, oh, I I want to say happy birthday to Harvey Benson of Harmony, a, a great man if there ever was one. So a former Peace Corps volunteer and just done a lot of things. So appreciate him. Oh, and I thought of this right after last week's show because there's always something I think about right after last <laughs> week's show that I said, oh, I should have added that. We were talking about birds freezing yeah. uh, over bird waters. If folks are concerned about that, I would certainly put maybe lays or a lattice or something over the heated water so they can't get in there, so they just be able to drink oh. and not bathe. So if if that's a concern, that would be something worth doing. Well, our friend John in New Ulm sent me a, a postcard. I don't know if you got I sent you the message. He was concerned about the birds, thought maybe they had dipped their feathers in. And he said it was probably like them You when you were kids. You know how they had the metal monkey bars and you stuck your tongue on it and you get stuck? Well, that could have happened to that poor old bird. And when I was a kid, I thought I'd heard about this thing when kids stick their tongue to the monkey bars. And I thought, well, that's that's not true. And I did it, and the bell rang, and literally I was stuck and ripped the top of my tongue off because I had to get in. So I never did it again. Well, that's good. Yeah, I always heard stories about some, it was always some kid, some kid stuck his tongue on the flagpole. <laughs> well, I did the monkey and, bars. Oh, but nobody ever knew, and I, you know, he'd say, well, what kid? Uh, just some kid. Yeah. Uh, we never knew who that kid was, but whoever he was, he was a legend in our <laughs> small community because everybody talked about that kid. And, and of course, it got worse, you know, tore off a lot of his tongue. Yeah, it does. trouble speaking for <laughs> uh, probably years. I don't oh. know. It was <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, thanks, John. Nice to hear from you. So I know he... Uh, he said he'd what he'd watched a a few minutes of a zombie hockey movie. A zong it was called Hockeyop Hockeyopolis or something. It's about a bunch of zombies in wow. hockey. And I think I saw that briefly when I was flipping through channels. It was on I don't remember which channel, movie channel or something. We get the basic cable. And it was just the bizarrest thing. It was these hockey players and and then there was these zombies and it was bizarre. But he said that it was shot apparently in places in Minnesota, which had I known, I would have probably stopped and actually maybe watched a little bit. Well, I wonder if that's because of the hockey here or because of all the zombies. <laughs> oh, definitely Minnesota the zombies. <laughs> zombies, okay, cool. Yeah. I just, i um, looking out here and there's two crows. Um, I think I could say swaggering up the drive. It's just, uh, there were, uh, it's probably the same pair at the same place as yesterday, but I couldn't say for sure because I don't have car ID. I'm sorry, <laughs> car ID. Uh-huh. They stay real close together as if they're uh, Velcros. So I'm sorry. I'm glad to get those two things out of the way. <laughs> uh, the, we had a great horned owl in the yard. The Blue Jays were not 
subtle in their comments. And when I looked in the direction of the Blue Jays, I could see the suggestion of cat's ears in a tree. Mm-hmm. And the Blue Jays saw way more than that. They saw danger from an enemy. The owl's presence made the Jays an offer they couldn't refuse. That was just to be outraged with, with great gusto. And if you think of a great horned owl, man, they are under a lot of pressure. They nest in the winter, and their name begins with great. That's a lot of expectations there, I would think. But uh, I I like great horned owls. They're, they're beautiful, beautiful birds. If you're a blue jay or a crow or something, you're definitely not going to like them. Crows now, particularly. I don't think we generally see owls in town because I guess... Or maybe we just don't have enough trees, but I've never seen an owl in town. So are they in town, or do they pretty much stay away? They are, and I get uh, pictures. Mary Hillman sent me one from Northfield during the day. You'll see them usually because they're roasted out of a a roosting spot by crows and blue jays and other birds that mob them. Or not this time of year, but uh, another time in the year later, then we see maybe the young ones are out during the daytime because they get hungry and mom and dad aren't always feeding them like they used to feed them. So they're out there just trying to figure out what in the world they can find to eat. But for the most part, they are out there at night. Uh, Gail and I came home, oh, I don't remember what night it was, and it doesn't matter, but a great horned owl flew across the road right in front of us in the darkness. And uh, we both just said that was one of the coolest things, just to see that. And and uh, luckily we didn't collide with it, uh, which is always a good thing, too. I, uh, somebody asked about uh, Bath. Well, uh, Bath is a ghost town down the road from me. Uh, it had a population of one. Great really? Man, if he lived there. Yeah, he was a mare dog catcher. He was everything. And then he read in the newspaper with most accidents occur within two miles of home, so he moved away somewhere where he'd be safer. (laughs) But another day has passed without a single sighting of the infamous Bath Bigfoot. Uh, Rumors insist the Bigfoot family there is larger than the population of Bath before it became a ghost town. That would mean they're... Well, there are at least uh, two Bath Big Feet or Bigfoots. I had to look that up. Either Big Feet or Bigfoots is correct, I guess. Oh. Seeing the avalanche of common red poles in my yard more than makes up for the lack of any Bigfoot sightings. I love seeing little red poles. There is an emptiness in winter. I miss things. I think we all do. The ticks weren't bad this this last year. There have been years when I've been a tick magnet, and I don't miss them or the mosquitoes or the the humidity that's just stifling, but I do miss the clicket sounds of barn swallows. They kept the skies busy. They're insect eaters, and because of that, they needed to catch an early flight out of town. So they're never here in the winter, but... I miss them. They're just uh, cool little birds, and they're the ones that fly down and help us mow the lawn. They just uh, they worship toros because uh, they kick <laughs> up a lot of flying insects for them to eat. Now, you mentioned ticks and mosquitoes, and I remember last year as not really having many, at least anywhere I was. So is that a, some weird cycle that they're in or because of the weather, or what do you think caused that? I don't know. I have a friend that worries about that. Uh, he uh, 
thinks the, the lack of mosquitoes is a kind of a harbinger of other bad things to come because he just thinks oh. there should be more mosquitoes. And I would like to get on his bandwagon. He's a really good guy, but, uh, you know, I don't care all that much for mosquitoes. So <laughs> I don't either. I'm, uh, I'm okay with fewer of them, I guess, and, uh, sadly. Uh, Tim Scott said he had a pileated woodpecker in his yard, a lot of wild turkeys, and he sent me an article from uh, the New York Times about burrowing owls, where researchers are installing artificial burrows at oh. a uh, at a place uh, in Riverside County, California. I've been by some of them. It's just like big tile they put down there for the burrows. But don't for these little owls to nest in? Don't the owls usually invade somebody else's burrow, some other little digging animal? Because they don't dig their own, do they, or do they? They would happily take somebody else's, oh, okay. yeah. And so these are just perfect for them. They come up there and say, wow, you know, I can't believe this place isn't rented already. And <laughs> they move right in, so they're really nice for them. But otherwise, you think of them in, like, prairie dog. Yeah. Um, that's where you think of them as their kind of associate creatures. Uh, Doug Keezer so at least two dozen white-winged crossbills at the Waverly Lutheran Church Cemetery. That's in uh, Martin County, and also seven red poles feeding on cones that had fallen to the ground. And I know right where that's, County 146 east of County 27, if anybody's out in that area. Uh, and crossbills, they have crossbills. Their bills cross at the end, and oh. that allows them to uh, clip off cones and things for eating. Uh, Doug Haar saw a northern shrike in Iowa. Uh, Kent Spellman of Albert Lee sent me a thing from the Washington Post. Researchers found that over a 90-year period, temperatures rose, precipitation increased, and humans' use of land changed. Grasslands and wetlands declined, and urbanization rose. Along the way, all of the birds' winter ranges shifted. Uh, the Declines in grasslands and wetlands affected birds who are constrained to those habitats most. And Kent also sent something from Vox. And uh, a wonderful story. It said birds navigate by sight, smell, stars. And thanks to this amazing biological compass, they follow the Earth's magnetic field. And I typed this into a little thing here so I'd remember when people send me something. I like to type it so I kind of get their words right. And uh, somehow in the uh, wonderful world of autocorrect, it made a <laughs> genetic field instead of a magnetic oh, no. field, so, which would really change yeah. the whole story there. Uh, Bob Williams saw a short-eared owl in Steele County. Uh, Andrew Nyhus saw a... Andrew saw a bunch of stuff. He saw a golden crown kinglet, both in Redwood County and Renville County, a Townsend solitaire in Redwood County, and a fox sparrow in Renville County. Dave Bartke saw a hoary red, pill, red pole in Steele County. I've been looking at all the red poles. I have so many here, and I always think of one that might be a hoary red pole, but I think before too long they will combine the hoary and the common into one species. I don't know that for sure, but I fear it's going to happen. 
so I don't know how much work I should spend trying to find a hoary red pole. They're called hoary because they, they look, have a whiter look, more white. Well, what does hoary uh, really mean? I, the only thing I could think of is hoarfrost. Yep, yep, whitish, oh, that kind of thing, okay. and that's what a hoary red pole looks like. You'll see them next to a, okay. a regular common red pole, and one will, it'll just look whiter, um, like it's been washed out. So, so like frosty almost. Yep, yep, okay. they're beautiful birds, but so are the common ones. And some of the common have so much red. They all have a little red pole, so red top of the head, and then they have what looks like a little black beard. It's just coloring on them. They're just, ah, oh, they're such sweet little guys. And when weather gets real bad, they have the ability to dive into the snow and spend a, a cold, cold night, warm and toasty down there in the snow. Uh, Doug Keezer saw a short-eared owl at the Lincoln WPA. That's in Blue Earth County. A Ronald Erpelding, Ronald's wonderful guy. So a Townsend Solitaire in Renville County, Brian Smith, another wonderful guy, an Eastern Bluebird in Redwood County, and Luke Hollander saw a Eastern Bluebird in Rice County. I I don't know if I know Luke or not. But I'm going to say another wonderful guy. They're seeing. Bluebirds this time of year, I guess, for some reason, that surprises me because it seemed like a lot of people weren't able to even see them last year during the warm weather. Yeah, they, uh, they, you will find them around. You know, one of the questions I got this week where people, uh, someone asked, will birds roost together in cavities in cold weather? Because oh. it sure seems like that would be, a, you know, squirrels will do it when it gets real nasty. I'm sure there's some hurt feelings and some are <laughs> offended because that's the way that would roll. But many cavity nesting birds roost in natural cavities, nest boxes, or you can make or buy roosting boxes or these little roost, uh, oh, there's Carolina wren roosts that you can buy to hang up. Bluebirds, chickadees, titmice, nuthatches, woodpeckers, screech owls, Carolina wrens will nest in cavities, and they will readily use nest boxes to roost in. Nuthatches and bluebirds will find warmth by roosting together. And winter wrens, if someone lives in the area where they see many of them in the winter, they are noted for that behavior. Chickadees are not so likely to roost together. They just, uh, they need their space, I (laughs) guess, and they just, uh, they'd rather be alone in one of those. But uh, bluebirds will do that. We do see them here in the winter, and they um, they like company to be warm when they stick around. Why would they stick around? Oh, I don't know. There's the perils of migration moving around. Things are going pretty good. You got some food. They got some berries to eat. They might try to hang it around, or they might just have, uh, who knows, some health problems. Maybe they were injured or something. Uh, we just don't know why. But every, I didn't find a single one on any of the Christmas bird counts I did this year, but people do find them. And I know Micah found some at uh, Miniopa State Park. Uh, that was probably a couple weeks ago now. Time just goes by in a blur. So uh, we do see them around here, and, oh, Karen, it is such a beautiful thing to see 
one of those bluebirds against the snow. It might not be so beautiful for the bluebird, but boy, for those of us that get to see it, it's just a breathtaking thing to see. I just and know they that can take the cold. I just know that you've been, to, you know, people have been talking within the last year that they just aren't seeing as many bluebirds. So it's good to hear that they're out and about at least in some places. Yeah, they lost so many about those uh, terrible storms down south in, I believe that was February, and it uh, it didn't actually, it probably didn't kill all that many right off. But what it did is it covered up their food, and that made them. It just gave them all kinds of uh, problems where maybe some starved or they were uh, uh, to the point where they were easier for predators to catch. So we all know when we don't eat well enough, you know, there's other problems that come along with that. So a lot of them died uh, one way or another, and most of them, I think, probably for lack of uh, the availability of food, oh. so, which is a, a sad thing because, oh, we love our bluebirds. There's so many songs that bluebirds, Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder, <laughs> and it's a bluebird day. It's just uh, so many incredible songs and sayings about bluebirds, so we need bluebirds. What uh, wild birds lay the most eggs in a clutch? You know, some birds just lay one egg. They say, boy, that's it. I'm done. Others lay clutches of eggs. We think of chickens. You know, they'll get a bunch of them in there. But wild birds, gray partridge that we have around here, a lot of people call them Hungarian partridge, up to 22 eggs. Wow. In one setting? Yep. Oh, wow. I I hope she hears from all those when they grow up, that they just remember <laughs> their mom once in a while, a note, a phone call, or just fly by. How many, of those, neck- how many of those actually will make it then if they lay 22, for example? Yeah, not very many. Oh, okay. They nest on the ground. It's a pretty perilous mm. experience being a little partridge down on the ground. and Something can get a lot of the eggs, so they might get a lot of them before they even hatch. Uh, ring-neck pheasants, they'll have 15 eggs. Wild turkeys, 17 eggs. Mallards, 13. Wood duck, 16. Black-capped chickadees, 13 eggs. And these numbers don't factor in any dump nests, which are the work of more than one female. So oh. we have two. You know, two females laying eggs in one nest, you get a few more. But ostriches can lay up to 50 eggs per nest. Well, in a in a day, or is that over 50 days or something? Over 50 days, and oh. maybe even more than 50 days. Wow. And I've read of a rhea, R-H-E-A, yeah. having up to 80 eggs. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're an Australian bird, too. And I know we've got rheas down in the Sibley Park, at least they used to, that I recall. Yeah. Oh, 80. Well, you can bet their parents don't remember all the no. all the kids' names. That'd be just 80 of them. I Is just, that a wow. seasonal thing then? So, like, it's a per season that they do that, or would it be, you know, over what period of time? I'm sure they nest once a year. Okay. I, I would hope so, with 80 eggs. Maybe they... I'm, Maybe some of the hens say that's it for a lifetime, but once a year they would be nesting. Okay. So... 80 babies. There's something for everybody to shoot for. (laughs) Um, Is there a simple way to tell a house finch from a purple finch? I I got this question three times this week. Okay. Uh, The male purple finch is, 
well, what would you think? Purplish. Yeah. And it looks as if it had been dipped in red wine or raspberry juice, and the color bleeds onto the back and wings. So you got a purplish bird, and it's got purplish back and wings. A male house finch has more localized color. It's reddish only on the head, breast, and lower back. The upper back and wings that are purplish on a purple finch are brown on a house finch, kind of oh. a streaky brown. And if the flanks from below the wings to the tail are streaked with brown, it's a male house finch. If the flanks are white with a hint of pink or purple, it's a male purple finch. The females, a female house finch has a brown face, while a female purple finch has a strong facial pattern and it's marked with a contrasting white eyebrow that's very evident. So, and they look a little different. Their body shape is slightly different, but uh, those would be some things I would look for to pick them out right away. Well, listener said about, you're talking about pheasants. What do they eat in the winter? Pheasants find food by scratching through the snow and they're like chickens that way, and they do that. We see them in fields. They're scratching to get to the grain in farm fields. Even the most moderate of thaws will allow south-facing slopes to expose food. So they will eat the grain, but they'll eat grasses, leaves, roots, fruit, nuts. Uh, they'll eat what they can. It's, the, heart, the, the toughest thing with pheasants around here is they like cattail marshes. Uh. That's a great place for them to hole up for the winter. That's where they go to find safety and uh, find a place where they can hide out from the weather. And so many of those are gone. So the biggest problem with pheasants probably isn't food, it's habitat. And that's where they really struggle here. I'm getting a few of them in my yard now, and they don't want to be here. They don't like me because we shoot them. People oh. shoot them, so they don't want to be around us. But they come in here because that's where food is, and they come in under the bird feeders where squirrels throw some stuff on the ground. Or Some of the woodpeckers are good at this where they'll come into a sunflower seed tray and they'll just start with their bill going back and forth, throwing seeds all over because <laughs> they're looking for those. Like we used to get Cracker Jack, and you wanted to get those peanuts down on the bottom yeah. that had a little caramel on them. So you just kind of shake everything else <laughs> to get those and you eat those first. These guys are looking for shelled nuts from the sunflower seeds oh. so they don't have to shell them themselves. So they'll throw them down there, and the pheasants come in, and they'll say, oh, a buffet, and they get something to eat. But they are so wary. If I move by the window, they pick up that movement, and they are gone in a hurry. So I, I, I welcome their company. The roosters are so incredibly beautiful that we notice them right away. The females are just as beautiful, but they're so uh, they're not so colorful. But they're just such lovely birds. I'm just so happy to have them around, and uh, I welcome them here. And I don't uh, feed them as such. Maybe I should, but I don't know if I'm 
doing them more harm than good sometimes by feeding them. But they come here anyway and get plenty to eat, apparently. So, Al, you I mentioned do. something about this, how sensitive the birds are to movement because there's a lot of times uh, we'll be looking out the window, sitting on the couch, and we'll see something, oh, look, a cardinal. And then someone will come from the other room to, to look, and they immediately fly away. I mean, and it's through a window, and they can't hear you, obviously. So do they have some sort of a sense that there's movement behind a, a wall or something? Because it always is frustrating because you, you know, you'll say, hey, look, boys, come here. There's a whatever in the yard. So what is it? That, they, yeah. Yeah. They might have that, like, uh, what is it, spidey sense that yeah. Spider-Man has when something's going on. They very well might be that their uh, senses are so much greater than ours in many ways. So they are just always got their radar going and looking for things out there. Sometimes with cardinals, it might be something that's going on outside the window. Mm. Uh, you know, blue jay flies in or something, a big flicker flies in, and scares them enough that they move on mm. then, too. So it could be just coincidental. But, yeah, they're just always on alert for something going on out there. And if they see something, they fly. Uh, back to the house finch and purple finch, another way you can tell them apart the purple finches are much tamer. Oh. So if you're outside doing something, shoveling the walk, and there's finches on the bird feeder, and they're just eating away, and they're reddish and brown, and those are probably purple finches. The house finches say, oh, my goodness, and they fly away. The funny part or the odd part about that is house finches are more than happy to nest in our hanging flower baskets <laughs> in the wreaths that we put on our door at yes. Christmas time and forget to take down, or maybe we just happy to have it up there all year, they nest in that. So they they like nesting around us, but they're a lot more flighty than purple finches that are not here in the summertime in southern Minnesota anyway. So, yeah, birds, it, I say this often, you know, they taste just like chicken, so you got to be really <laughs> nervous if you're a bird out there because there's so many things that want to eat you. It's just, uh, it's, a, it's a jungle out there for each and every little bird. I'm watching, i got a whole tray here full of, oh, there's uh, the four, there's four goldfinches and, I don't know, must be seven or eight red bulls in there. And they're just all eating like crazy, and they get along really well until somebody must overstep their bounds or something. And then there's a a little bit of a fracas uh, takes place there. And, of course, that chases some of them away. And then if a bunch of them fly away, then all the birds and all the trees and everything, they all fly away because they think, oh, my goodness, something terrible is happening or if the J flies in and goes, J, 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 they all fly away because uh -huh. he's telling about something terrible. He's probably lying because he's <laughs> very good at lying, but it scares everybody away. So they are uh, squirrels. I think I talked about it last week. They listen to the birds, and they like hearing that happy feeding sounds of birds because that means there's no predators around. The squirrels can kind of get on with their business. I'm having fox squirrels in the yard digging huge holes in the snow and getting down and finding spilled seed and things that were under feeders. Is it? So it's a, are the bunnies getting more short of food? Because I hadn't noticed them around much, but all of a sudden I'm seeing a lot more bunny tracks in the yard. And so I'm just wondering if, if food's getting short some places or something. 
I haven't seen a whole lot of chewing on things. Okay. Uh, usually uh, you can tell when they're running out of maybe some of their preferred foods because they start chewing on a lot of other trees. I know it's always tough some of those years when we have really deep snow. Boy, they chew way up high yeah. on the trees because they get up there and they can stand up on their hind legs and get up there so high. So it's, But they are... They seem to do okay. They, uh, you know, bunnies have a pretty short life, uh, sadly. They're, again, there's always something that wants to eat them. A car wants to hit them. A hawk wants to eat them. An owl wants to eat them. A fox, coyote, everything wants to eat them. So they, uh, I, I hope they're getting well fed. If I was uh, <laughs> foxes and coyotes, I'd be feeding them owls. I'd be feeding them, fattening them up. I want to thank everybody for sitting on the front porch with us. You know, yesterday, when I was younger, smoking was cool. I thought of that for some reason. I don't know why, until I saw the snowplow driver go by. He was smoking, like a big cigar he had going in there. I suppose it could have been a highlighter, but I don't think so. The sounds of the snowplow had faded and I needed to go to the bank as my pickle jar was filled with pennies. It was 20 below zero. I daydreamed of electric socks and thought warm thoughts while listening to Hawaiian music. The following day, I'd try to get rid of the Don Ho earworm. <laughs> it warmed up to a minus 10 degrees. And I convinced myself that was twice as warm as a minus 20. I found it easier to fool myself than it is to fool anyone else. It's so easy, I don't even try to fool anyone else anymore. It's not worth the bother when I can fool myself so easily. Remember, folks, heartless while we're driving past, thanks for listening to me. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Karen, thank you so much. I enjoy your company. Well, thank you, Al. We enjoy yours, too. We'll chat with you next week. Thank you. Bye. All right, bye-bye.